Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman and Associates. Now, here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thanks for joining me. I'd like to start with my motivational quote by Martin Luther King Jr., and the quote says, The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Dr. King's statement is, is memorialized in our brains. Certainly we've heard that before. But how far have we come from the true definition of leadership? Now people can be classified as leaders because they're top sellers or they're magnets for clients or perhaps they're just growing more than their colleagues. But really, leadership is the ability to blaze trails and guide others to find their inner strengths. Sometimes leadership seems to have more to do with managing systems, processes, and reports than it does about leading people to growth, success, and, and mostly to new skill attainment. According to a recent Gallup poll in 2014, they found that 70% of the working population says they hate their job. So what are we doing wrong? We know this is an important topic, yet no one seems to know how to remedy this epidemic of workplace unhappiness. Well, you're in store for a treat. My guest today is Dr. Lance Secretan, and we're going to discuss his firm belief that our world leadership is truly broken, whether it be politics, business, education, healthcare, law, or religion. But don't worry, Lance has some answers and ideas to help us unravel this mess many organizations and leaders have found themselves in. Now, I just want to give you some background on uh, Dr. Lance. He has a new book out called The Spark, the Flame, and the Torch, Inspire Self, Inspire Others, Inspire the World. It's a masterwork because, of, because he's integrated 35 years of experience and theory to show us how to fulfill our destiny and create inspiring organizations. Lance offers a comprehensive approach to being an inspiring person and therefore an inspiring leader. All right, so hang on. His credentials are quite impressive. Former CEO of a Fortune 100 company, university professor, award-winning columnist, prolific author, more than a dozen books about inspiration and leadership, including his most recent memoir, A Love Story. And aside from these stellar credentials, what we're talking about today is really his role as an insightful and most importantly provocative leadership teacher of our time. So Lance, thank you so much for being on. And I I hope that I did justice to your truly uh, extensive credentials. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's great to be on your show. Yes, my, my pleasure. So let's jump in. Describe what your version of inspiring leadership versus just plain old what we call the old, you, you call the old story of leadership. Well, I think leadership is, as you said, a mess. We're spending about $170 billion a year on leadership development. We uh, have 244,000 books on leadership on Amazon.com. Every guru, every consultant, every mountain climber is lecturing about uh, leadership. We've got consultant firms, MBA programs, and yet leadership is broken everywhere. Look around whether we're talking about Washington, Wall Street, healthcare, academia, the Roman Catholic Church, police, you can't find a place where leadership is functioning properly. And what's really interesting is that we are teaching it as an engineering subject, you know, mm. like checklists, here are the 10 things you should do as a 
be a, 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 a top leader. And we can't really do it that way because it isn't that kind of subject. So one of the things I've really discovered over the years is it's actually something we are not, never going to be able to teach. We can't even describe it. Therefore, what is it we're really looking for? And the answer is inspiration. It yeah. is leadership. It's inspiration. We want to be inspired. And I like that. I think I like that shift from the old story of leadership. And it's funny. See, that's in my intro, I said leadership has become more about processes and managing um, those internal kind of functions versus truly leading people um, through inspiration or leading them to, to choose to grow and become their better self. So I, I'm in full agreement on that. And I like your term. They are a mess. I totally agree with that as well. Now, in your book, the spark, the spark ignites the flame and the flame light, lights the torch. I want to spend a few minutes on each element. So first, I think, can you explain the spark, the flame, and the torch? And I guess we should start with the spark. That just makes sense to me, right? Yes, and I will. Let me, though, first just say this. Uh, we have confused motivation and inspiration. So we say, I want to be motivated and inspired like it's the same subject. Mm. But actually, it's very different. One of, the things, one of the reasons why leadership hasn't worked is because we use motivation. Motivation is a fear-based system. And motivation is about exploiting other people to achieve outputs, outcomes, high performance, whatever. So mm. I'm going to give you a bribe. It could be a bonus. It could be a salary. It could be a prize, a medal. It could be anything that will manipulate your behavior so that you do something that I need you to do. I need you to win or meet your budget or hit your sales quota or vote for me or whatever. And everywhere you look in our society, we've actually used that system. So you'll uh, join my religion or you'll go to hell. In healthcare, follow this protocol or you'll die. In education, follow, um, pass this exam or you will fail or I will fail you. In business, do what I say or I'll fire you. In parenting, do what I say or I'll punish you. It's, it's endless. In politics, vote for me or the bad guys will get you. In marketing, buy this product or you'll be ugly. It's always you see about fear and punishment and reward. Now, inspiration is an entirely different idea because people who are inspiring don't need anything from you. They are serving you. It's not about them. It's about you. And it isn't about fear. It's about love. They, they do it because they love you and they love what they're doing. So there's a very, very big difference here. So before we jump into the inspiration of the spark, the self, we need to understand we're not talking about motivation. We're talking about inspiration. And that's a sea change difference from what we've been doing before. And that was beautiful. And I, it's interesting because I, I do think when I train or I teach or I coach, I inspire people. I certainly hope I do. That's always my uh, genuine desire is to serve and love them, right, to share that love. Um, and it's funny because I always say, I hope I've motivated you to want to change. I'm not going to use that terminology anymore because <laughs> honestly, Lance, how you just describe that, I will never use that word motivate again because it's going to be, have I inspired you to want to choose to get better or whatever it is that they're looking to do for themselves, Not certainly not for me. So what a clear distinction. Thank you for that. See, I learned something new. I love you already. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing, too. Motivation is not bad. It's just 
not the only thing. Sure. So this room's going to catch fire. I'm going to motivate you to get out of here. Sure. So there are times you know, in war and in battle and various times we, we need to use motivation, but we have become so lazy and mm. so uh, incapable of distinguishing that, that every human resource policy and every leadership theory is based on motivation. We don't have a manual that says, how do we inspire people in our company? We have lots of manuals that says, how do we motivate them to high performance? Do you th do you think it's always been that way? Because let's face it, humans by nature we, we're lazy. We'll we'll take the path of least resistance, right? Always. So, do you think it's always been, or do you think that this has been learned behavior? Well, I think it's probably a bit of both. We we've always done this, but we're very sheepish, you know, about this sort of thing. We read an article in Harvard Business Review about how to motivate people, and all of a sudden, every company in the country is doing it which means you don't have any competitive advantage and you have to scratch your head and say, why did you do that? Just because it's an Harvard Business Review doesn't necessarily mean it works or it's good. Sure. We're trained. So, We're trained to think that. <laughs> yes. So the spark, well, the spark yes. is, is, has a theory. The theory is this. You can't inspire other people unless you're inspired. It, everybody will tell you you can, but it's baloney. You can't. If you're uninspired, it's very hard for you to be inspiring. So you need to be inspired first. That means filling up your tank. How do you do that? There are three broad things. There are probably 503, but three that I've identified in the book. One, you need to know who you are, why you're here, how you're going to be on the planet, and what you're going to do with your life. You have to have a very clear picture, which what we call why be do, destiny, character, and calling. Secondly, you need a dream. Every organization needs a dream. We've worked with great companies all over the world where we've helped them create a dream and it's transformed them because a mission statement is an old-fashioned way of looking at things and a dream is an inspiring way of looking at things which galvanizes the passion of an organization. Mm. And then thirdly, we need inspiring relationships. It's, you'd be amazed at the stories I could tell you about how uninspiring the relationships often are at work amongst people who lead companies who don't even speak to each other or can't get along with each other. Now, if you imagine a football team or, or any uh, group team like an orchestra where that happens, it just simply wouldn't work. And yet we try and make that work all the time in organizations. So to be inspiring ourselves, to be inspired, we need to love the people we work with and be inspired by them and have inspiring relationships. So those are the three big pieces that we need to put together, which fill up our tank, enable us to be inspired, and then put us in a place where we can now inspire others. That's the flame. And, and that, see, okay, so this makes complete sense to me, but I know people are listening and saying, well, okay, but my boss is an utter jerk, you know? They demand this, they demand that, they're, they're bullies. So how do, how do we create, especially if I'm not the leader of the department, right? I might be a manager, but not the leader of the department. How do we forge those inspiring relationships if the person that's leading us is kind of crappy? Well, I don't really agree that people are, uh, in quotes, jerks. Mm -hmm. Perhaps, you know, and on some of your bad days, you might have been called a jerk, and I certainly in my bad days have been called a jerk. It's, it's really about what the chemistry is between us. So if I'm inspiring to you, and you're a jerk, and I'm inspiring to you all of the time, you're gonna stay being a jerk? 
I don't really think that's how human beings work. Yeah. Eventually, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to melt you. Eventually, mm-hmm. you're just simply not going to be able to be nasty to me forever. Mm-hmm. And now there's some psychopaths around, and I, I'm not really going to talk about them. That's like two percent of the population, and I don't have an answer. That's that's a clinical subject, and it's not my field. But for everybody else. I believe that if you work with them in an inspiring way, they won't be jerks. The problem, we call people jerks when we have a really bad relationship with them. And we don't, choose, we don't try to remedy it. So basically what I just heard you say is that we truly are all empowered. Just choose to inspire the person that might be negative in your, in your orbit or in your work, work environment, etc. My, my uh, last... Let me give you an, ex- Go ahead. Let sure, me give you sure. an example. Sure. You know, when you, when you fall in love with someone, they're the most amazing person on the planet. And a few years later, when you divorce them, 55 years they're the biggest jerk on the planet. Well, look, who's doing the changing? It's true. That's a great example. Oh, you're funny. All right, my last question before we, we go to break. Now, you said you help people or you help inspire corporations to develop their corporate dream versus a mission statement. And I know some of the leaders listening are thinking, yeah, but, you know, my corporation, they, you know, the leaders have been around for so long. They're old school. How do I inspire them to even listen to the idea of a corporate dream? Well, just listen to, for example, the story of Humana Inc., which is the fourth largest health insurance company in America. They have a dream. When they created their dream, they were a $15 billion company. Today, they're nearly a $60 billion company, mm. just eight years later. Mm-hmm. Would you like that to happen for you? It works. That's the bottom line. Right. Yeah. Excellent. I love it. And it's funny because when you said that, I'm like, well, don't we all need a mission statement? We've all, been, we all, come on, if we've come up through that corporate environment, the mission statement, we, we, when we have uh, big events for the corporation, right, we share, we have our mission statement up on the PowerPoint slide. This is what we're working towards. So how, just to shift from a mission statement to a dream statement, how inspiring would that be for everybody who's present in these meetings or, you know, retreat or whatever it might be that the, the corporation is hosting? So I love it. I think, Absolutely. yeah, simple, Absolutely. simple shift in a little bit of terminology and how we approach the same, it's the same exact topic that we're looking for the same outcome. We're just approaching it in a 360 degree way, which is brilliant. Let's take well, a we're looking for a much better outcome. A much better outcome, absolutely. Yes, thank you for that correction. All right, so let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want you to shift and we'll talk about the next piece, obviously, which is the flame. So real quick break and then we'll discuss that. As children, we cocoon ourselves in the safety and love provided by our parents. When tragedy strikes and that cocoon is suddenly ripped away, it can be devastating, especially for teens. In her new book, Ms. Bambo, author Carol Craig Cowan Lanyon talks about growing up in ways one never could have anticipated. Ms. Bambo details a mother-daughter bond born of tragedy and fused by love it's about loss growing up and mysteries that will forever remain unsolved read ms bambo available now at amazon.com 
A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change. Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. We are back. We are speaking with Dr. Lance Secretin, and we're talking about how really to inspire leaders so leaders can inspire others. Um, so the next component after the spark would be obviously the flame. So how can we be more inspiring leaders and human beings, really, with others that we come in contact with? Well, this whole subject is very complicated, and my work, Connie, is about taking complex subjects like this and trying to make them simple. So let me explain to you how the flame works. We did some research to find out what's going on with leaders that followers don't like. What is it that's, that is ticking off followers, and how would they describe that? And here's what they told us. We don't like cowards. We don't like phony people. We don't like people who are selfish. We don't like people who lie. We don't like people who rule with fear, and we don't like idiots. Those are the six things that we really don't like amongst leaders. And that, by the way, describes, let's be kind and say 60% of leaders. I would agree. I, I could be tempted to say it might be more like 80%, but I'll be conservative, say 60%. So we said, well, that looks pretty clear. Why don't we just do the opposite? It's not rocket science. Let's try the opposite. The opposite is to live and practice these six ideas. Courage, authenticity, service, truthfulness, love, and effectiveness. Those six words spell castle. Therefore, well, they're known as the castle principles. And the reason they're so inspiring is that we love people who are courageous. We love people who are authentic. We love people who serve. We love people who tell the truth. We love people who are loving and we love people who are effective. When you put those six together, and if you have them within you and you are living that with the people with whom you interact, you will be an inspiring leader and you will inspire others. And that's the flame. That's brilliant. Now, and I like the castle. I like that idea, right? Royalty, building up something so beautiful and so great. How do you get the cowards and the phonies and the ones who are selfish liars, rule fear by fear and idiots, how do you get them to shift to be courageous, authentic, serving truth, love, and effective, being effective? How, what do you, could you give us an example? Well, I think that the way we typically do it is we, we work with 
coaching, for example. We work with workshops and seminars and retreats and cultural transformation programs and so on. I mean, it's not an overnight thing. We have to take our time to help people to grow from an old way of being to a new way of being. And we have to show them why it works and why it's worth their investment. It's kind of like going on a diet or an exercise regimen. You know, there's got to be a payoff here somewhere. One of the ways we do this is we show people, for example, just to take courage. We show them, you know, what was the most courageous moment you ever had in your whole life? And they, they tell us what that is. And then we say, okay, what's the biggest challenge you got in your whole life? And they tell us what that is. And then we say, now, what would happen if you used the most courageous level that you ever were at in your life with this particular challenge? Because clearly you're not doing that now. And if you did, what would the outcome be and what would you commit to? And this is life-changing for most people because they know they're not using a level of courage necessary to deal with a challenge in their life. And it could be a relationship issue, it could be their boss, it could be a budget issue, it could be a spouse, it could be kids, it could be health, you know, all kinds of things. But usually people have one or more of those in their lives and they don't deal with them. And the reason they don't deal with them is because they don't want to pull the courage up that it takes to do it. And yet, we're not asking for them to do anything more than they've ever done before in their lives. We just want to have them get the courage back that they once had in an earlier time in their lives. We show them how to do that and show them, therefore, it's not that difficult. We're not asking you to do Olympian things. We're asking you to do nothing more than you used to do, but the edges have come off you now and you're not doing it anymore. Do you think a lot of that is once you help them raise their awareness so they see like, oh, I, I am not being courageous and I, I used to be, that that spirals them forward or inspires them to move forward? It, it, do you see that is the start point of building that momentum? That's a very good reason, one of them. I think the other is they, they see that they are far less of themselves than they really could be. So, for example, many people sit in meetings <clears throat> and they want to say that they disagree with something or they don't think a policy is right or a decision that's going to be made is, is going to be foolish, and they don't say anything. And then if you point out, you know, if you, everybody does that, in the end, the organization is going to go down the toilet. What we really need is authentic conversations where people tell the truth, where we're serving a higher purpose, where we have the courage. You see how all these principles come together? It all goes so together. Run rich meetings that lead to really coherent, sensible decisions that everybody agrees to and has a lot of passion behind. Then we'd really make some progress. It, it, I, yeah, it's not like, okay, let's work on being courageous right now, and now let's start being authentic. You're really doing everything simultaneously because they build on each other and they strengthen each other. That's right. And yeah, then you're that, effective. And then you become effective, absolutely. Now, when you go into a corporation, where do you find, and maybe it's multi-level, but where do you find you get the best results? Is it that you start with the CEO of the organization, or are you working multi-levels? Both. It, it depends. It depends sometimes on the size of the organization. So, for example, a very big organization, we may be invited in through, say, the chief learning officer or the senior vice president of HR, and then eventually, you know, it morphs. Others, I've, I've been invited as a keynote speaker to speak. People have been excited about the ideas, and then they've started a sort of an internal campaign for how do we get this work brought into cool. our organization. Cool. And then other times, you know, the CEO sees it, so it's, it can depend.
That's awesome. I, I love that because everybody's listening thinking, well, the CEO has to buy into it. Well, maybe not. You know, maybe your voice can be heard um, if you start a grassroots campaign from the lower end after hearing maybe the show or reading your book or, or seeing you speak. So we have more power. I think the problem, too, Lance, is we, we give up our power to others instead of feeling that I do have a voice, I do have power, and I, I should be heard respectfully, but I should be heard and I think we forget that sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the torch. So what's wrong? Now, you mentioned that you do coaching and workshops, retreats, and all those kinds of things. So what's wrong with coaching and the performance management programs that really does exist in our corporate environment right now? Well, you know, we should be probably talking about my uh, other book, which is a love story, a a more recent book, but because that's something that really has helped me discover this. Let me give you this example. Sure. The performance review. The performance review is the most reviled thing that we do in, in business today. Nobody likes them. Nobody wants to do them. Everybody, after they, uh, when they approach it, they're, they're terrified. And when it's finished, they're exhausted. It's yeah. just total pain in the rear end. So why do we do this? And let me ask you this. If you were to come home and sit down with your spouse and say, hi, honey, we're going to do our uh, biannual performance review now. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about budget and uh, set some quotas and targets and do some key performance indicators and have a little review. I mean, you wouldn't get half those words out of your mouth. Have you been a fly on the wall in my house when I've done that with my husband? (laughs) (laughs) So if it wouldn't work at home, why would you do it at work? Why do we continue to be sheep doing these things that everybody despises? So how do we change all this? You know, the the performance management system is very broken. It's one of the worst pieces of, of what goes on in corporate life. And we need to change that, and we have developed a way of, of doing that, which is really more about a conversation and a way of relating with people in an inspiring way that causes them to talk about what their dreams are, what their goals are, and what they're trying to accomplish, rather than being judged and criticized and, uh, you know, given a, a rating. But how do we measure? How do we measure them? As, cause, okay, so performance management, people will say, well, it's a snapshot in time. It gives you an idea of where they were and what they've done and how they've contributed. And it's a way of measuring, you know, should they get a bonus? What should their raise be, et cetera? So if I just have a conversation and ask someone what their dream is, that's a beautiful thing. But then how do I measure how they've impacted the organization? What would you okay, respond? So how, do you, how do you do it at home? By sharing love and inspiring those around me. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it's true, right? Isn't that the true answer? Yes. And, you, and you've seen this work in corporations exponentially. Well, absolutely. And now, I mean, I'm not giving you all the technical detail that goes into this. Of course, there's lots of that. But, uh, you know, we'd need much more time to talk about that. But the point is, why would we wait for six months to find out yeah. how someone's performance is. You wouldn't do that yeah. with your spouse. No, no. You're, you're doing it by the hour. Yeah, by the minute. <laughs> and you have a relationship with each other where there's a constant flow back and forth. Sure. You're in a good relationship where everybody's up to speed about everything all the time. Why do we have to do this on a twice a year basis? That's silly. 
And it's funny because I, I'm a big proponent of coaching and measuring, not measuring, but teaching people a skill that they didn't have to be able to execute whatever the job is that we're asking them to do. So in order to do that, we have to really coach on a daily basis. Forget about the monthly, which is how kind of everybody measures it, right? But you have right. to be coaching. You have to be coaching that person every day to reinforce what you taught, to make sure they're developing the good habits to execute the new skill, whatever that is, um, learning a new product, for instance, so they can talk intelligently to the customer, right, as an example. Yeah. Well, that you can't just slip a switch in their brain and say, well, I, I told you once what the, how the product works, go and sell it now or whatever it is. Right. So that constant positive reinforcement and little, little corrections, soft little corrections of you said this, try this next time, it'll work better. When we coach people every day, at the end of the month, the result is remarkable. And yet... My number one answer for managers when I say, you can't afford not to coach your people, they say, I don't have the time. And, and then, you know, and I look at them and I think, oh, my God, how can you say that? You're dealing with a human. You have to take the time to help them adjust and change behavior. Changing behavior is not an easy thing. So to expect them, I told you, go do it now, that's illogical. That's not how the human brain works. That's right. That's right, and I, you know, when people tell me that, I say, okay, so let's let's see, let's suppose that you're going to start a gym program. Mm -hmm. Are you going to say I'm only going to go once a month because that's all the time I have? <laughs> exactly. It's illogical, right? It's yeah. here's here's the funny thing. It seems illogical to us, and yet. I hear that answer. Actually, surveys were done, and that was the number one answer for managers. There's no time to coach. Mm -hmm. Frightening. Right. Yeah, it's frightening. That's code for I don't believe in coaching. Yes, or you know what? I don't want to learn how to do it because I don't think I, I might not be good at that. So let's not let anybody shine a light on that skill that I might not have. It's, yeah. it's again, a cowardice approach. Yes, and I'm already an expert, so I don't need to learn anything new. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. That's a big one. All right, so any final, we have like two minutes left. So any final suggestions that you have for the listeners that you think can help them become more inspiring leaders other than what we've already discussed to follow their internal compass and maybe realize their own dreams? Well, I think that the spark of flame and the torch is a very useful uh, pathway for people to absorb and actually on the on the website uh, which is secretan.com there is a uh, reading uh, group discussion format so you can actually uh, take the book with a group of people and read it together and then grow together sort of teach each other so it's actually no cost the only cost is the book but other than that there's, there's no cost to it and yet this it's a great growing program so it's available on our on our website I think that's a great idea and I, you, so you've actually created the uh, template of what questions to ask to inspire discussion and open ideas is that the, the premise of the um, the book club. I'm going to say a book club. I yes. know I'm not using the right Yes, exactly. Yeah. I Reading, love it. Uh, group discussion, we call it. That's awesome. What a, again, simple works, right? We think we have to make yeah. all of these complex systems, and here's just get a reading group together, work on it together, and see the world change before your eyes. Simple. Exactly. Lance, thank you so much and for your time being on the show. Everyone, I don't want you to worry. I will put Lance's uh, email, um, not email, website. It's uh, www.secreten.com. So it's S E C 
R-E-T-A-N. But I'll put it on the website. You guys literally can click, go. It'll take you to Lance's website where there's a ton of information. You can purchase the book, which you know me. I read these books. I think they're fabulous. And I just love uh, Lance's idea of doing your reading group. It could be just what your corporation and or what your division or your department might need to start to be the catalyst to change the entire organization by letting them say, what are they doing over there? That looks like really good stuff's happening. Um, and you might be the catalyst of something great in your organization. So you know what? Go out and challenge yourself. Be inspired. Read the book um, and get some things going. So Lance, thank you so much again for being on. Fun, fun to be with you, Connie. Thanks so much for inviting me. Truly my pleasure. Um, everyone, I hope you join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together how to grow and challenge ourselves so we all embrace change and realize that change is possible and probably easier than we think. I, I'd love to share all these tools and these books that are out there at our fingertips, available, easy to implement for you guys to change and be inspired not only to change yourself but to change the world. Um, thank you again, Lance, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. Thank you so much, everyone, and please have an inspired week. Go out and lead with inspiration, um, not motivation. Thank you. You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time may change me, but I can't change.